Welcome to the Queer Arabs Podcast. This is Ellie. And I'm Alex. And we are the Queer Arabs for today. My pronouns are she, her. My pronouns are they, them. Today, I am talking to Alex of Soft Not Weak, a game development studio currently working on Spirit Swap, Lo-Fi Chill Beats to Mash 3-2, which is Yay. a Mash 3 puzzle game, which looks absolutely freaking adorable. Thank you. At the time of this broadcast, this will broadcast, uh, the Kickstarter campaign will be starting, and we will have a link to that at the end of this, but, you know, Alex, tell us about, tell us about the game your studio is working on. We're making Spirit Swap, which uh, I'm like a Mash 3 fiend, like that's like a uh, Puzzle games are like my favorite type of game. Uh, I even have like a Tetris tattoo somewhere on me. And uh, I always wanted to make one, although it's really like hard for anyone to find really an audience with that. And I wanted to make a character-based one that really focused on people that kind of look and feel like me, which you don't see much of. And that's why we decided to make Spirit Swap. Chill and colorful and queer and a puzzle game. And doesn't have... We'll get into this later, by the way. And doesn't have the stereotypical Middle Eastern, you know, Northwest African, Mina Swana representation that we're used to, which is very refreshing. And it's very, very queer. It is. It's like, literally, we used every color in the rainbow flag to just on all of our characters. And uh, yeah, we don't have any desert in there. So sorry about that. <laughs> Finally. Uh, yeah. So what do you want to know about the game? There's so much to talk about and I don't want to just like rant. Oh, no, this is exactly the place to rant. Uh, most of the characters, because I'm like, I was looking at the characters which are featured on the Soft Not We Twitter and there's a whole bunch of fan art there, but there's like this really cool buff guy who is a Dembo, as you call them, or they Yes. Yeah, Dembo. Dembo. Um, there's just a... Large woman, large woman who likes to cook mamul, apparently. Yep. There's, uh. yeah. <laughs> There's so many characters. It's really funny because when we started working on Spirit Swap, I was like, everyone on the team right now, I want you to picture your perfect character and let's put it in the game. So everyone like mm -hmm. come up with a proposal and like kind of a mood board or something. And at that point we were a little bit smaller. So everyone got to put like our composer got to put like a character in. And what the result was is like, this was, we had like one white person on the team, which is like my good friend Morgan. Uh, and she was like, she put, she put her Final Fantasy 14 character in there. We, we just ended up with a whole bunch of really queer, really different, like, characters and one of my big stipulations for the game was like you can make whatever character you want but they have to be non-binary that's it like the core cast has to be all non-binary there are no cis people in this world simply because no one is really assigned a gender at birth so why would you just create a binary if it's not there you know, some trash people on the internet will be like, why do they have to be non-binary? Non-binary. And I'm going to... Because shoot. I said so. It's my game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was going to go, well, why don't they? Yeah, exactly. Like, if you don't want to play a game with non-binary people, uh, okay, play literally anything else. Yep. Cool. So, Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> if, now that we've gotten rid of the three people who are hate listening to this, so the studio is actually unique. It is a worker-owned co co-op. Is this your yeah. first? Um, is this your first time working in a game studio? By the way, no, I've been in games basically for eleven years now. Um, I my very first game I worked on was uh, out of college, my um, sophomore year project, basically my was it my senior year project uh, in two thousand and I'm gonna date myself eight, I think, and I've been basically in games ever since. Usually, just some form of indie. 
uh, a lot of community management because that's where people like us get shuffled into instead of mm -hmm. like we're like here is my portfolio with game design and art and they go like you know who was really gonna like you social media you go you go be the meat shield you go online and let us do the game making so i did a lot of that so eventually i kind of just got sick of it i've given like talks at gdc i've given a talk literally called it a micro talk called um please stop making me kill myself on arab representation in games post 9-11 um uh yeah that was a fun one uh that one i actually got nominated like one of the best um speakers for like that year uh at the game developer conference um and it just sucked because like i felt like my only uh, it was real fucking annoying to feel like my only wor worth worth like in games was basically to just educate white people to just basically sit there and beg people with money and clout in the games industry to see me and people like me as a fucking human as opposed to like literally cannon fodder having to explain why that shit is harmful having to explain why like uh okay we play counter-strike and our representation is literally the terrorist having to explain why it's traumatizing to be trying to play a video game with your little brother uh, at the time on the ps3 army of two and as you're shooting people in the face they're speaking your language back at you which for them is just gibberish but this guy is like i don't even remember what he was saying but it sounded a lot like lebanese arabic of like uh it was so weird and I, that was like my moment of realization where I was like, wait a second, is this me? Do they think this is me? No. Kind of. I mean, that's... No, yeah, they did. I mean, <laughs> killing ourselves for a white audience. Yes. Right. Yeah. So yeah, uh, basically after running through um, the concert, it's for a while, uh, specifically the North American ones, despite the fact that I didn't live here. Uh, I kind of got sick of just trying to justify my existence or like my humanity to people who mostly just considered me or only ever saw me through the lens of like, I don't know, through like a sniper rifle or something. Like, whether it's movies or games or stuff like that, it was always, yeah. Well, one, to be fair, people like me are never truly in American movies because you don't really see queer Arabs. You don't see anything that humanizes Arabs. You only see, like, the violent bearded man yelling and then the woman in a, like, hijab just crying because he's brutalizing her or some shit like that. And then the Americans come in and kill the men and save the women or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, like, queers were not even in the equation at that point. Um, so it's like a double-edged, like, sort of, like, erasure and, like misrepresentation so yeah uh, i spent a lot of time trying to educate like white global north people on why that's a problem and then i realized i'm pretty sure they are aware that's a problem but it's in service to the hegemony that backed propaganda like now we're getting into big words like actually funds like you know how the american military and whatever really does have funds for video games for movies how they yeah. back all of that and it was honestly a losing proposition so i shifted gears to you know what fuck those guys they know there's a problem. They're only like pretending to listen to me to alleviate white guilt because there's not really anything. I'm never going to make a dent in Call of Duty sales. Ever. Even if I'm like, I've spoken to like Call of Duty developers face to face. I'm never going to change. Like, it's like asking them to take like food out of their mouth. They're not going to freaking do it. So instead mm -hmm. of concentrating all my energy and my life's work on begging white people for a seat at the table, why don't we just do our own fucking thing? Yeah, yeah. It's this sort of conversation that you frequently have. It's like, what can you do? Because, I mean, who can compete with Call of Duty, right? You can always put out better representation of yourself. And unfortunately, 
struggling within the system has been proven futile by a lot of people. It's yep. we've all seen the uh, um, cycle of people of color when they're doing like representative work within corporations. They'll join mm -hmm. the community representation board. They'll make suggestions. The suggestion will be ignored. If they push, they get punished for it and look good for the investors and the PR. But you don't get a voice here. You don't get to control the content. You're just yeah, here to you help don't sell. Actually... It get to change anything you just get to sit there so they can point at you when someone questions their dedication to diversity that's it because ultimately what every corporation's goal is to maximize profit at all costs exactly and that's why it was important to me that when i started soft not weak even if there was it was inevitable that it would get started in a capitalist system that we strove towards like worker ownership Mm -hmm. That I not be the boss, even though um, I started it with my two friends and co-founders, we had to like establish laws together. We started as an LLC because there was no real framework when we were coming up with the idea to make like a worker own co-op. But now in Washington, there is. So eventually we want to like transition legally into it. But even now, like we have an operating agreement and anyone that works with us as a contractor for X percentage or like X amount of hours on a project can petition us to join the co-op and become worker owner if that's what they want. We started in earnest working on Spirit Swap last August. And ever since then, we've had two more members join us. So now there's five of us. And I don't think, I think we're just going to keep getting bigger. And we're not employing them. We just redistributed shares um, because that's how we're doing it right now. Every time someone joins us, like we started with 33%, me and my two friends. And then we moved on to 25% each when we added another person. And then now we're at 20% each, basically. So no one has majority. Yeah, so I'm really appreciating this discussion on ownership and the legal framework of all this, because in the United States, if you're operating on your own without uh, registering registering with the government as some sort of operating entity, whether it be LLC corp or other type of corporate structure, mm -hmm. you open yourself to a lot of legal liability should anything legally go wrong. It, yep. The $500 or so you pay, which varies state by state, we create another barrier to entry into the market. So there we yeah. are. They absolutely don't want you to know any of this, It's which is really ridiculous. They, the barrier to entry, like whether it's education, whether it's like intentionally opaque government texts, whether it's like all of that, um, the cost of hiring a lawyer, it's all there to make sure that if you're not money to begin with, you it's incredibly difficult for you to have the time and resources to start anything on your own. This is particularly important for people with assets, especially if you have like a house or money saved up mm -hmm. and you're operating as the sole owner of the property without any sort of legal ownership corporation separating your assets from theirs. If anything goes wrong or the studio has debts, that means they can come and seize your house. They take your house. Yep. Thankfully, I have nothing. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, it's it's funny because uh, none of us are getting paid on Soft Not Week and um, we're, but we're still paying everyone that's not an owner and that if we can afford it and we're part of soft, not weak, we're not getting paid because we're doing like an investment long term, mm -hmm. but anyone who's a contractor is getting paid a base wage of $40 per hour because that's the minimum we would accept working for, which is fair. We wanted to, yeah, we didn't want to like pay minimum wage, um, art and everything else to do with games is like, like a super specialized skill. No one should be paid less than $20 an hour anyway for like any, anything. And we felt like $40 an hour, since we were not able to pay our contractors benefits, doubling that $20 was like the right thing to do. So we have a lot less time to work with and our money goes a lot faster. 
but it also means that like the people we work with really appreciate working with us we value their time and they value ours yeah the proof is in the pudding like people just want to join we do talk a lot about change from within or working as an activist on the outside but these discussions act setting up a way to sustain yourself outside of the established system is a very real one we need to have so yep. I think see, the big thing that changed for me around like 2018, 2019, I kind of refocused my efforts. My audience used to be, again, well, quote unquote, woke white people or mm-hmm. people who wanted to be educated. And then I kind of switched my effort to be about on people like me, queer, trans people of color, catering to them, to what they want to see. Uh, honestly, our, our entire business model, quote unquote, so far, our entire audience, our entire thing was soft, not weak, which is the name of uh, the company is queer POC and black joy. Like that's what we want to bring. We're not focusing on children. We're focusing on adults. Our characters, the characters you've seen are in their late twenties, early thirties. We flirt with the mature rating, which basically it's adults talking to each other. It's not like inherently horny, but like you can be thirsty, you can be sexual. You have your deep friendship, you have your uh, platonic intimacy. Mm-hmm. And it's not inherently fucky, but it is very personal in the way that life tends to be, where like you have a mishmash of all these different relationships and like that joy. Because honestly, in games, I don't know if you have like ex- experiences off the top of your head, but if I think of queer content in games, when it's triple A, it's always some two cis white dudes making a game about lesbians and it's trauma porn. Last of Us 2 for reference or one. Yeah, or one or, you know, life is strange. Oh God, that. <laughs> They're everywhere. It's a genre. And it's always very young lesbian. Weird. Um, Yeah. And then there's uh, the other genre, which is actual queer people making their very small niche indie games. But those are usually very mired in angst, which is fine and something worth exploring, especially in like the capitalist hellscape that we're in. Personally, when I look at these games, growing up being young and like becoming an adult in Lebanon, uh, everyone in art school uh, wanted to focus on the war. Even though none of us actually really fucking lived it. Like, we were born, like, very late 80s, early 90s. But we were just so mired in the war that every art film was about the war. And every, like, everything was about the war. And I just didn't want to do that. That was actually one of the things my parents was really insistent on. Not me not getting caught up in is don't don't become, like, the result of this war. Mm-hmm. And, like, that art stuff is sort of like, well, damn, now they're validated. It's really a complicated, like, you know, like, I mean, Malouf and all of that stuff about, like, mm-hmm. the identity of Lebanese and, like, Levant, Palestinian, like, that group of people in particular at that intersection. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's, like, a wider experience for a lot of, like, Swana folks. But for me, I can only speak from my specific uh, experience, mm-hmm. is that we have, like, such a double-edged identity where we don't want to be defined by that trauma, but also our leaders have made it such a point to kind of move past it and pretend it never happened, that artists are the only ones left that dare remember. So when I was younger, all I wanted was to ignore the war and make joyful content. And then as I got older, um, I kind of refocused on my roots. Like after I got my master's degree and I came back from Japan because that's where I was studying and working, I started a VR game uh, called, funny enough in retrospect, that was about 2015 called Beirut Blast. And mm-hmm. it was about the aftermath, an explosion in Beirut. And I, uh, Oof. with like a, 
Yeah, I know, right? You should have seen when the hashtag Beirut Blast was trending last year. I felt like I was losing my mind. Yeah, and for it, we recreated my my grandmother's living room, which I spent most of my childhood in. Mm -hmm. And it's very iconic for me. Like, we recreated it, like, we 3D scanned it. And, like, I was working with artists to, like, actually... That never ended up happening because I came to America to give a few talks. And my girlfriend then proposed to me. And, yeah, and then I ended up kind of on the whim getting married when... Donald Trump was elected because we kind of panicked that we would not be able to see each other again if he did like a Muslim ban or something, which ended up happening. So anyways, I kind of ended up in the U.S. by accident. Mm -hmm. And this is where I've been since. And uh, that game never got completed. So last year, like when that whole thing happened, I was, yeah, there was a lot of conflicting feelings because I don't know how much of it is us kind of like closing our eyes, trying to like pretend that like the suffering of our people is just not happening versus how much of it is like trying to lift ourselves up from that that misery by creating joyful content and we're also always like walking that duality in that line as queer arab creators and i'm just there's really no through line to this i don't have like a nice bow to tie it with it's just always that conflict that's real life narratives they're messy they're incomplete they don't go anywhere sometimes Because I really, as I said, I'm a Virgo. I really like it when everything is like neat and tidy in its little box. You're talking to a Capricorn. (sighs) Oh, I see. (laughs) Oh my god. So yeah, that's that's what Soft Not Weak is from. That's why we're making Spirit Swap. That's why our characters look the way they do. I really wish Alia could have been on this one because she is a huge fan of puzzle games. Like she's way a way bigger gamer on this respect than me which is rare for anyone having queer and risque narratives in a puzzle game is has become a thing lately i feel like um there's of course the well there's like some of them like there's of course the queer and very raunchy and very horny honey pop for those who who know it's a match three game where you basically use the match three mechanic to play out dates and flirt with women and sleep with them if you so choose is it queer uh, you, it's male or female. Everyone's bisexual, apparently. Mm, I have a very pointed thoughts about player sexual, but I will not argue. As long as I, that's the thing, as long as you find joy in it. Storylines of any kind in puzzle games, even though like the most famous puzzle game of all, Tetris, doesn't have a storyline to it. A lot of them do. Like the Puyo Pop has always had this cute little story running alongside of it, as mm-hmm. well as several others, which are. It's definitely not a new thing. Like, we're not inventing anything is uh, the thing. I mean, the game started specifically as an homage to my favorite puzzle game of, like, all time, um, which is Panel de Pont, which Mm -hmm. got localized in uh, North America as Tetris Attack. And they took away all the cute girly fairy stuff from it, and they put in, like, Mario stuff instead, which... Yeah, Gross. it's really sad because like the original art panel de point is really, really cute. And like the UI is in a way basically all of the charm of Tetris attack, but with like girly shit. And I was all about that. And I just kind of wanted like an homage. The next step of like this game, like what if this game kept getting made, got like more than one or two because uh, it didn't become Pokemon Puzzle League and uh, Tetris attack. So yeah, girliness and feminist and colorful stuff in game is super important to me. Even though I'm personally um, trans-masculine, it's just, I'm still going to be an extremely femme trans-mask person. Like, I just, I know I know it's very confusing to a lot of cis people. Uh, not this because, podcast. 
No, I believe you, but like my mom was like, why you want to be a boy and then still dress like a girl? What is happening? You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm just like, I hate that I know. It. I hate that I know that accent. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> and I know, I know that exact phrase. Yeah, she's she's just she's like kind of like, why are you doing this? This doesn't make any more any sense. I don't know, man. It's just it makes sense to me, and I'm not really hurting anyone. So I like, why does it have to be a big deal? Um. Yeah, I do. I do love my parents and I love my culture and I really don't think we're inherently like bigoted or whatever. I'll give you homophobia. That's true. It's like rampant the world over and it's rampant in like uh, my country. But like, I feel like transness in a binary sense is a little bit more understood. Like even from a legal standpoint where like there's been legal precedent in Lebanon before mm -hmm. for like a trans woman being recognized as a woman. It's just very like surgery and passing based which is unfortunate so like the whole idea of being non-binary which is like my deal for my mom is like yeah sure okay woman light I'm like no no you went to america and they did something to you and i'm like okay fine let's let's go with that um, yeah let's go with that whatever whatever you want to believe you do your thing um just yeah just i love you mom yeah no, I do. Like, I love my mom. And, like, she's trying real hard, but it's, like, she's not trying that hard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The distance doesn't help. And I feel a lot of people just don't change or think about this sort of stuff very often unless they're really confronted with it, like, constantly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Look. I don't know that this needs to be in the podcast, but, like, my mom did offer to come here to take care of me, like, um, for my top surgery. Uh-huh which was really sweet, even though she's not super convinced that it needs to happen. She's like, well, if you're going to have a surgery, uh, I want to be near you and I want to take care of you and make sure you're okay. And I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's really sweet. Yeah. And oof, getting feels from that. Yeah, it was honestly, I wasn't expecting it. Don't get too many feels because her first attempt was like, maybe you can push it uh, further so that I can come and not risk COVID. And I'm like, I see what you did there. <laughs> well played. But yeah, but she changed her too. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not pushing it back. It's happening. She was like, all right, I'm just going to show up then. I feel like you were talking to me about puzzle games and I just no, talked to you about being trans. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're both trans here, so... Yeah, but you know, we don't we don't have to shove it into everything as the cis people say. You know what? That just makes me want to double down on this conversation and be like, yeah, my, my mom also tried to push the uh the whole I'll take care of you, but could you put the surgery after COVID sort of deal? Shit, your mom too? It's a thing. They have a club. I swear they're collaborating. Yeah, they have a club. It's like air moms against trans children <laughs> or like plotting against trans children. <laughs> Did your mom ever pull the whole like I feel like you're forcing yourself to be trans to fit in. And I'm like, to fit in with what? It's chocolatey, no, but I also came out like way before it was, quote, a trend. Oh, oh, so you, mm, good for you. Uh, not really. It's, it, it sucked. It was, it was the early 2000s. Oh, no. Did you, were you here or were you that Wait, Why, why am I making you answer me? For context for listeners, because not every listener listens to every episode. So context is always good. I am currently 40. I came out basically in around 1999 and actually started to transition around 2002, 2003. Just had surgery back at the end of uh, 
2019. So that is my congrats. Yeah. And my family's also Lebanese. So I'm definitely feeling this entire conversation really, really. Yeah. Yeah. Back to pop culture representation. One of the things I did want to discuss now that we've got, you know, business structures and painful transition stuff out of the way was sort of the representation, like the Mina slash Swana slash Arab representation in video games. There's a lot of, like the mainstream stuff is pretty awful. The quick list that I compiled and off the top of my head was, of course, Anna and Farah from Overwatch, who basically rock this old Egypt look. So lots of pyramid and Pharaoh references all over the place. Yep. And they are both soldiers, so... Yeah, it's always within the framework. If you show an Arab who isn't a terrorist, you must redeem them by making them part of the police state. There's uh, Farida Malik from Daysex Human Revolution, who is a pilot, but it's ex-military is implied, so... There's the Lebanese soldier from that Call of Duty. I forget, it's the space one. I was trying to avoid Call of Duty. Now I can't remember She's in there, and she's not a terrorist. (laughs) She even has, like, there was a scene with a Lebanese flag on her arm. We lost our shit when we saw it back home. Yeah, the first time it appears in a trailer. (laughs) So stupid. We were so Uh, starved for representation. Ugh. I I felt really good about Anna and Farrah. I was like, hey, somebody who sounds a little like my family, just a little bit. I'm reaching really hard here. Yeah, we really, we don't have much, honestly, to, like... Yeah, like for me, like when I look at games and I'm like, uh, Aladdin on the Sega Genesis. Uh, well, if we want to go old school, we've got the nameless hero from uh, Scheherazade. We've got, for the Nintendo Entertainment System, we've got uh, Prince Ali from, I'm trying to, th- I think it was the Oasis games on the Genesis. Oh my god, that's so far back. That's amazing. Yeah, I haven't thought about that stuff in like a million years. Um, that was before, that's why like when I talk about that stuff, I talk about post 9-11 and pre-9-11 even though the shift wasn't like really caused by 9-11 it's just a nice like well nice it's like a precise precise like historical point pinpoint like pivot where like all of the representation shifted where before we had like the orientalist ooh, you know belly dancing for some reason snakes and sand aesthetic and then after yeah. that it was like those sand eating terrorists pretty much exclusively I mean, we're still sort of running down that whole um, either military or assassin sort of role or Saudi dude. I've also right. noticed that's a thing. I want to keep going down the list. We've got Rashid, Saudi dude, or he's technically mm-hmm. United Arab Emirates prince. Uh, we've got that Altair. Tekken? That is Street Fighter V. Street Fighter V. There was also, based in the first Street Fighter, there was basically harem princess looking girl with the, you know, poofy pants and the see-through like sleeves and all that. Really? Yeah. It wasn't the first reader. It was Street Fighter EX. Sorry. Mm. Yeah, deep cuts here, folks. Of course, Altair of Assassin's Creed, who is Syrian, who is an assassin. We've got Tekken 6, uh, Zafina, an assassin woman. Tekken 7, Mm -hmm. Shaheen, Saudi dude. We've got bonus points for both being uh, military and suffering porn. Sniper Wolf from Metal Gear Solid, who is Iraqi Kurdish. She is? Oh... She's so cool, and she has some of the best boss fights and some of like the coolest scenes. But she's also dying and telling you suffering porn about her. Oh, I hate her. I'm sorry. I just I am not a Kojima fan. I do not like Kojima. I do not blame you at all. Kojima is a weird fucker, to say the least. Yeah, he's 
he's weird and also like he has like this whole he's like one of those like apexes of utter theory in games and like games are inherently unless you're like a pixel solo dev whatever it it's a group endeavor like if you're if you think you're the brain behind like a huge ass triple a creation you're lying to yourself yourself and the rest of the world yeah that's one of the things i hope Gaming media gets away from his Kojima as the sole auteur of Metal Gear. There's no, like he had like a huge support crew, like his background writer. Like you could tell when he left because in Metal Gear Solid Five, like when he stopped writing for the series, like the technical writing took a downward turn. Yep. I must confess, I do love the Metal Gear series because of both of its gameplay and it's just completely batshit insane writing. It's okay. I love Final Fantasy. I I have no place to judge you. We all have our vices. Yeah. Thankfully, indie games and indie representations where we can see queer people like ourselves, finally. So we got the wonderful uh, 2064 read-only memories, which is very, very gay. We, of course, got um, Valhalla, a lot of lesbian and non-binary representation there, which is really fun. I'm trying to think of what else. We, of course, got Undertale with... Christine Love's library of games. Mm-hmm. Everything Christine Love has ever made. Oh, wait, she did Love and Hate, right? Um, yep, she also did the cross-dressing sibling lady killer in a bind. Well, now I have to, I have to go back. No, you to absolutely have to play that. I'm, I'm surprised you haven't. There's like some kind of content warnings, but like, uh, it's Christine, so good. Um, all Christine loves games need content warnings. The plot lines can get a little fucked up, but they are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the indie queer angst is definitely in there. Um, of course, there's the wonderful Undertale with Undyne and Alphys. If you just want adorable lesbian relationship. They're perfect. I've got some fan art of them on my wall. The, honestly, the trend of like super buff, tall lesbian with like her tidy, chubby girlfriend. Ugh. I love it. Ugh. I have been seeing a lot of tall, buff women in queer media lately. Most most notably the Baro Kermont series with uh, Tain Shear and uh, Tain Hu. Mm-hmm. Which are totally, like, buff, in-command warrior women who are amazing. Who else? There is a memory of Empire. The Arabs. Un- the Arabs in Breath of the Wild. The Gerudos. Oh, the Gerudo. Oh, my God. Can we talk about um, Orobosa, please? I am the biggest Garuda apologist in the world, even though it is absolutely anti-feminist and orientalist trash. Like, that's what the Garudas were designed as, and it's obvious from Ocarina of Time. But I love them so much. Like, when I was a kid, and I saw that, I was like, holy shit, I'm gay. It's this like, is amazing. <laughs> for me, my I didn't really catch up with uh, Zelda after A Link to the Past until Breath of the Wild, really. So seeing them, I was just like, oh, my God, these people are perfect. And oh, you just you just got Urbosa like immediately. That's amazing. Like I was aware that the Zelda series existed. I was just like tall, buff, in command, warrior women, just completely calling out my gayness. And the whole like female society thing. It's so good. Okay, it's... do you want to hear my my trans masculine Ganon headcanon? Please do. <laughs> and I want to include this if you do. Yeah, sure. It's it's like it's a huge like this is something I've been thinking about for a while. So in Ocarina of Time, they established like this really big thing, and that um they're all women, 
and they're all they, there's never any men in the tribe to the point where they kidnap men from like the neighboring tribes so that they can have children. Okay, sure. I so mean, that's like is, the first. Yeah, huh? this is like classical Amazonian inspired stuff. Exactly. So like, yeah, sure, whatever. Here's the deal. There's one boy that's born born to the Gerudo every God knows how many years, and he becomes the king. So here's my theory. The Gerudo are all women, sure, but they're all gender is woman. Their gender like the whatever they're they're assigned at birth doesn't really matter. So you have like biological quote unquote diversity of like Gerudos just hanging out. But they have like that femme look and they're all women. Here's the issue. An AFAB person is born and he turns out to be a dude. So this is. So here's the issue. It's like like that one person who was born is now out of the norm because they're trans mask. Everyone's like, oh, here's like, I don't know what Ganon's dead name is. But now it's Ganon. And now Ganon becomes the leader because that's like the person that is fucking like, like no one's making them be girls or whatever. It just so happens that like by myth or mythological whatever all the gerudos are women and that's like lore in ocarina of time they're all they always give like birth to women uh, whatever like the gender is at birth like you end up being a woman so that's like the one motherfucker who ended up being a dude so my theory is that ganondorf is actually trans mask and that's how he becomes like unique and that's why he's different from all the other gerudos who are all like girls and that's why he becomes like the king that only shows up once every thousand of years is that because they don't have like people being born with vaginas no that's just like a thing people are born with whatever genitalia they're born Mm -hmm. with but only one fucker every thousand of years is like you know what i'm a dude and i'm going to bring this toxic toxic masculinity down hard Exactly. I'm going to destroy the fucking world. And they're like, well, this is why we didn't want any fucking dudes around. I swear we are not out to kill all men today. I mean, I, I hope not. I, I would like to survive. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it, it just made sense to me. And it was like really funny because that was like my latched on when I realized I was trans mask. It was like my latch on repre- representation in games. My soul fucking... Arab or like pseudo Arab trans masculine person was Ganondorf from Ocarina of Time. Oof, that's I'm normal. <laughs> this the take is new, but the whole latching onto whatever representation there is, no matter how possibly problematic or bad, is kind of common. I mean, how many of us like latched onto a character in Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Xena? Like all of us, I feel. All of us, yeah. Yeah, the whole like, okay, we want queer people to understand that being queer is evil, so we're gonna queer code every villain. And now everyone's like, "Thanks, Disney, are the best." Thanks, Disney. Yeah, it's just or... like it's like okay, the most interesting characters are the villains. Everybody loves the villains now. Great. Nobody wants milk toast fucking Aladdin's bullshit. Everybody wants Jafar. Like they made him hot in the last movie. Why? Yep. Well, why not? Just... Well, I mean, you're right. Why not? Why not? I, I mean, technically, we've got the, I think it was the Hayes Code that actually did that, if we want to be accurate. But that's true. That's true. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's been really funny to see like this whole mainstream media tells people a certain marginalization in not so subtle ways that their marginalization is bad. Mm-hmm. And then those people take that and then flip it on its head. And now it becomes the new trend. 
to the point where we've got basically like what would have been villain protagonists or villains in movies now being the protagonist of their own movies, like Maleficent. We also had that one book series about um, the Wicked Witch and how she was the real hero. I think it's Wicked. It's what? Wasn't it called Wicked? Yeah, Wicked, you're right. I was like, it had a W in it and a lot of green. Yeah, villains are the best. I wonder how much of this was colored by my past and idolizing villains and seeing like the only people who looked like me as the villain. I mean, that's so much of the queer experience is just growing up thinking you're like maybe a little bit cis straight and then in retrospect realizing how fucking gay you were. <laughs> how everything you did was just you trying to keep down that gay just try to tamper down the queerness it's for me it's like i'm going about my day and i remember that thing that i did once when i was six mm-hmm. and i'm like oh this makes so much sense in retrospect hindsight 2020 there's there's a lot of that it's like wait doesn't everyone want to be a girl because girls are way more awesome and i mean every- same thing but like guys like if you want yeah. if you could be a guy why wouldn't you like why exactly. would anyone want to be a girl like, that was always me. Like, why the fuck would you voluntarily want to be a girl? Or my favorite, which is a new one. I've, I'm so straight, I can't even look at myself in the mirror. Sweetie, you might have dysphoria. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. That's so... That's funny and sad. <laughs> oh, God. It's so different to be able to talk to, like, another trans-Arab person. It's so refreshing. Especially since we seem to come from like similar backgrounds. I think the main difference is I was raised in America and you arrived a little late to the party. Yeah, I, I've i been here four years. <laughs> like typical Lebanese, late to the party. Yep, that's that's Arab standard time. What's your favorite couple from the new game? Well, it's okay. There's a through pull and there's a couple. So I'm going to start with the through pull because they're amazing. Three trans lesbian. Context, everyone's non-binary. So it's uh, trans femme, two trans masks. I'm actually not sure. I should probably ask them. But th- there's a very tall femme buff um, lesbian, Theo. And she has two uh, adorable partners. And her partners are much, much smaller. So Theo uh, herself is 6'5". And Cleo and Dio, her partners, yes, they made their names rhyme. Uh <laughs> are i think five four and five six so they're very very tiny and they're all lesbians those are my babies i love them so much and they're honestly absolutely 100 percent perfect and the other couple that i like is when you start the game they're actually already broken up is iskandar and mo and they're actually both again non-binary but like uh, mo is like hyper like fashionista femme and Iskandar is the Thembo, uh, trans mask Thembo. If I could let you in on a secret, which isn't really a secret, Iskandar is actually my transition goals. <laughs> like, it's my OC and my transition goals. Do not what steal. what I hope to one day. Huh? Do, Do not, not steal, though. <laughs> uh, it's like, if I could have an ideal version of myself, what would I look like? And it's like this idiotic mountain of muscles uh, post-top surgery with uh, pink curly hair. Aww. Yeah, that's so I decided to put them in the game and like now they're in there and like I hope I hope people like them too. I really like my babies and I just want I just want them to find like people who love them too. And I know it's really corny, 
but I just want them to like resonate with people. There's like a double-edged sword to like making something so specific to my experience. But just because I'm like talking to you, I'm already aware that like, no, it already resonates with at least one person. And that already makes me happy. So for those of you listening now, you can check it out on our website, thequeerarabs.com, where this post will be up and you'll see all this wonderful art. However, if you want to keep up with them, you can also check out Soft Not Weak Twitter um, account, which is Soft Not Weak, and see all this wonderful art and some fan art and some videos of the game in progress, which is which has some really cool lo-fi uh, chill beats to match three to. Yes, please check out our Kickstarter and check out our game and interact with our characters and i'm usually the one on the twitter so feel free to poke me and talk to me and uh, tell me tell me everything all your feelings about everything we talked about today this is benali of the queer arms you can reach us at thequeerarabs.com of course the the twitter the instagram thequeerarabs.com facebook the queer arabs and you can reach us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com if you want to talk to us or anything like that you can reach my, my personal uh twitter uh you can reach me at my twitter handle ellie queer arabs or you can reach me on instagram with ellie wants to shit post yes professional i know amazing and alex how can they reach you uh you can find me on twitter at dirtbag boyfriend uh at dirtbag boyfriend was too long so i had to spell it dirtbag b-o-y-f-r-e-n so yeah, that's me. Uh, that's usually where I am. Uh, more importantly, I think you should absolutely, if you're into what we talked about today, uh, follow my studio, which is at SoftNotWeek on Twitter, uh, S-O-F-T-N-O-T-W-E-A-K. I, can't, I don't know if I spelled that right, but it feels right. And of course, links to all this will again be on our website with the post that has this wonderful episode on it. Uh, uh, thank yay. you for... Yeah. Thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll see you in a week. Thank you. Bye. I'll spend my days as a spirit floating through. I hope I find my peace of mind. I swap nothing out of my heart. Try to find the light in the dark. Fly around the world, make friends on the way. And maybe you can find your fate. in the afternoon